Welcome to episode 607 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther, and this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. Josh, we have one week, roughly, until we gorge ourselves with Tarky. Mm. Uh, are, are you hosting this year? I'm guessing that we are. We're really fluid. How do you not? Like, it's a week away, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, know? I know. But uh, so I, I think we are. I think we are. We, I think we, we have a friend in the neighborhood that we're expecting we're going to have dinner with, and I'm expecting that we are going to host. I just don't know that we have firm plans mm. yet, but that is the expectation. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. I love turkey. I love me some turkey. I don't wait until just Thanksgiving for turkey. No, no, no. Me neither. In fact, we are hosting this year for the first time ever. Oh, wow. And we decided, uh, I don't, I sort of volunteered for this, that I would attempt to smoke the turkey in my smoker. Ooh, which I've then heard frees good up the oven. things about yes. this. Yes. And we regularly go to my sister-in-law's house for Thanksgiving and her husband always smokes the turkey and it's always good. So that was part of the inspiration there. So I'm not going to try and do that for the first time on Thanksgiving. That would be a bad idea. Oh. So Saturday I attempted my, uh, I, I attempted to smoke a turkey. I shouldn't say attempted because it, it worked out pretty well. It was nice. very good turkey. So nice. I'm already eating a bunch of turkey, and then I'm going to do it again next Thursday. And then you'll have leftovers. So <laughs> right. plenty of turkey. And the reason for all this turkey talk is that we may not get to do it next week, because oftentimes during Thanksgiving week, the news is kind of light. Yeah. The only news that's going to be out there, folks, is look at all of these Black Friday sales. And you probably don't really need that from us. So... We'll see about next week. Plus, the timing gets tricky. So, yep. who knows what's going to happen next week uh, because of the holiday in the United States. But what I do know is that we've got some listener feedback this week that came into our inboxes at entertainment20 at the digitalmediazone.com. All right. So, we have a message from Kevin. And this is something that you might not normally think of the subject of the message is digital entertainment and ice fishing. <laughs> Hi guys. He says, yeah, those things probably don't seem like they go together. I live in Minnesota and ice fishing season is just around the corner. Currently working on fabric fabricating a new ice fishing house. And as part of that build, I decided to try to incorporate some electronics the ice house is very warm and comfortable when in use. However, when not in use, temps may drop below zero. I want a quick and easy way to remove things like a TV and speakers when not in use. Here's the part I could use your help with. For speakers, I thought I'd just use some Echo Dots since you can create a speaker group and I have the four speakers I would want. For that speaker group, I ordered some Echo Dots, paired them together, and thought, good to go. But I missed one important detail. There won't be an internet connection. So that shoots down the Echo Dot setup. Do you guys have a recommendation for four speakers that can easily be 
paired together wirelessly and not require an internet connection to do so. Bonus if I could use them wirelessly to connect to a TV. Wow. So uh, first of all, I want to add a little bit of context for those of you who don't know what he's talking about. (laughs) So when you go ice fishing, people who go ice fishing regularly typically create structures that look like little wooden shacks, if you will, like a maybe like a storage shed that you might have in your backyard. And they're, to some extent, I guess I would consider it mobile, but they can be put out on the ice and you house yourself in there, usually with some form of heat and entertainment, and drill a big hole in the ice and do your ice fishing in there. People don't sit out in the cold weather to go ice fishing. Well, I mean, some people do. Yeah, but that would suck, <laughs> right? So this is the way to do it if you do it. And he's absolutely right. You wouldn't want to leave all of your gear there because it's going to get really, really cold at times. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you have ideas here? <laughs> I am hard pressed. I wonder if... His best bet here might be to go with something like, and and these aren't cheap, but something like the Bluetooth Sonos speaker that you can use just as a Bluetooth speaker and make sure that your TV can then also pair with Bluetooth speakers. That would potentially give him what he's looking for. It would give him audio and entertainment through a decent sounding speaker. I believe that you can pair those speakers together before you take them off your network and then potentially use them off your network in Bluetooth mode in stereo. But I haven't tried that because I only have one. Yeah. I I don't know if if the whole Sonos connection would work and and i would be the least likely well the sonos connection will not work okay you would only be able to use it with entertainment that you're streaming from your mobile device through bluetooth yeah so i think that's unlikely to happen (laughs) no but he doesn't have an internet connection so the only source of content is going to be from his phone or tablet or something like that. Right, right, right. Yeah, so I I just have a guess that the the Sonos Bluetooth-enabled speakers probably don't form speaker groups over Bluetooth Oh, I got you. Only. I got yeah, you. Yeah. But with something as good as that, you may not necessarily need to have multiple speakers. I mean, the sound on that is really good. Well, and that's part of my question here for Kevin. So... He describes it as an ice fishing house. And I, you know, I, I've lived in Northern Ohio my whole life. People ice fish on Lake Erie. I don't recommend it. Lake Erie does not get that frozen, but it does happen. And I've always heard these referred to as ice fishing shanties. And I don't think that that's meant to be like a derogatory word exactly, but it does typically mean that they're pretty small. Like they are single room sized things they're shed sized things yeah exactly exactly and so if you're in a shed basically 
why does he need four speakers? Like, I can absolutely understand wanting two, and maybe he wants four because of the TV and wants a round sound, but I don't know, man. That seems like a lot for a nice fishing house. So, Well, it, it also could have been that with Echoes, you're not going to get great audio quality unless you have <laughs> right. more than one of them, right? Yeah. So I don't have a good solution to this. I know, I know of speaker companies out there, and maybe Sony even offers some of this, but I, I couldn't find them in my show prep tonight. But I know that there are Bluetooth speakers out there that you can connect multiple of them together, but like it all has to be the same speaker, you know, like you're not going to mix and match JBL and, and Sony or something like that. But like I said, I can't think of what they are. So I did come up with a different solution and it's kind of the reverse of what he asked for. So he was looking for wireless speakers for, I guess, probably connecting from his phone or something like that. And then as uh, like a bonus to wirelessly connect them to his TV. And I'm actually thinking kind of the opposite here. So you can get some powered speakers, which would typically be considered like computer speakers, and then just plug them physically, like with a, a headphone style cable into your television. And now you've got good speakers from your TV, and then they can also be Bluetooth speakers. And I, I've got a couple of recommendations here. Uh, I never quite know how to pronounce the name of this company. Edifier, uh, E-D-I-F-I-E-R. They have lots of different models. They all typically range between 100 and 200 bucks, but they do have some even bigger ones that are even uh, more expensive. But the uh, the 1280 dBs are some some like medium sized bookshelf style speakers. They're 150 bucks. They will connect with an audio cable, not just headphone. Uh, I believe these comes come with RCA also if your TV has that or your other audio device has that. Plus, they can be controlled via Bluetooth. They have volume knobs and things like that on the speakers. Uh, so these could work really well for that solution or just Bluetooth in general. A lot of TVs now will allow you to pair them with Bluetooth speakers or headphones. Right. So you could just go that option and, and just use straight up Bluetooth for everything. The only problem there is most Bluetooth speakers out there will not allow you to be paired to multiple audio sources. So if you're listening through your phone to the speakers and now you want to switch to the TV, now you've got to like repair the speakers and that's a pain, which is why I was thinking plug the speakers directly into your TV and then use the Bluetooth option on the speakers for whatever your other audio source devices. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, uh, while you were updating on that, I have some confirmations on the Rome. The Sonos Rome cannot be paired when it's in Bluetooth mode. So you would only be able to use one of these. But seriously, I have one of these. They sound great. It's worth maybe even buying one, trying it. If you don't like it, return it. You can return it, if, particularly if you buy it through something like Amazon, where they have an amazing return policy. So that is an option. Also, how much is the Roam? The Sonos is $179 for the Sonos Roam, and it has Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. So if you have any Sonos at home, you can also use it in your home as another Sonos speaker. 
It has battery power and it has up to 10 hours of battery life, which is great for something like this. And it's waterproof, which is great for a use case like this. <laughs> and, and it's also, it, it also allows you to do what you were just saying you normally can't do, which is pair with multiple devices and it will switch between them as you bring them online. So mm. uh, that as far as Bluetooth options go, this isn't cheap. It's perhaps cheaper than for dots. Well, not dots, but echoes. Right. Well, yeah, because Echo Dots are really cheap right now. But it might be among your best solutions. Yeah, I, I think both of those are good options. Uh, we'll we'll have some links to some of these in the show notes for you to check out. Uh, I've got a, a set of speakers from Pioneer also that are very well reviewed that you might be interested in checking out if you want to go with that option. But yeah, I, I do kind of like that Sonos Roam option. Uh, because if it is a fairly small building, that Sonos is going to sound pretty good. You probably don't need four speakers in there if you just have one or two good ones. Right. All right. Well, we also received a message from Paul. We com- we both completely missed it last yeah. week, and as like it just got lost in the spam of of email that we're already getting for things like CES. So we apologize for that, Paul, and. We didn't really notice it until right before the show tonight, and it's long with lots of good questions and stuff. So we will get to that next episode. So thank you, Paul. We're not ignoring you. We didn't miss you. We haven't lost you or forgotten about you. All right. So let's move on to the news. Hey, there's Plex news. Imagine that. (laughs) So Plex has rolled out a feature called Discover Credits. And I kind of think of this a lot like IMDb. It's like IMDb built onto the big screen, which mm-hmm. frankly is great. When you're looking at a movie or show, you have a cast list and now the cast list is searchable. You can browse through it and select from any of the actors that appear in the cast list. And when you do, then it takes you to a page that shows you all of the shows and movies that that particular actor has been in. And of course you can add any of those shows or movies to your watch list. So if you find an actor that you particularly like, this is a quick and easy way to kind of like, you know, build up your, your wish. I was going to say wish list. I'm thinking Christmas already your watch list with things that you expect that you're going to like. So nice, really feature, a really nice feature, but I'm scratching my head a little bit about this one, Josh. Yeah, uh, I, I was too, because I thought Plex had this literally years ago. Me too. <laughs> Me too. And yeah, maybe it didn't, maybe it wasn't actually browsable. Maybe it was just there for information. I don't know. To me, well, this doesn't seem like a new feature. It, well, it doesn't. And and when I first saw the article, I thought, wait, I thought this this was already there. And then I I thought back even more, and I remembered it was probably about a year ago. I was watching something on, or I at least had Plex open, and 
I, I don't remember the actor or whatever, but I, I saw one of the movies that I had, saw one of the actors on the cover and thought, I really like that actor. I wonder what else they're in that I could watch. I'm sure that if I go, because, and Plex has shown the cast list. It's definitely done that for years, right. for, for years. And I thought, I, I'm sure it must have a feature like this already. And it didn't. And I was surprised back huh. then that it didn't. So I do remember that now. So I installed this update on my Android TV. And right now this is basically only available on the big screen devices. So Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire, all of those things. If you're trying this out on your iPad, it's not there yet. So I installed the update on my Android TV on the NVIDIA Shield. I got it. Uh, Started with like one of their free streaming things. and. Yeah, it works beautifully. Works great. Then I went to my movie collection and uh, things are in alphabetical order. Very first thing is 10 Things I Hate About You. All right, let's see what else Julia Stiles is in. And it shows me 10 Things I Hate About You and The Born Identity and nothing else. Because that's what you have. Because that's what I have. Yeah. That's dumb. (laughs) I want to see everything. The Julia Stiles is in like, just because I did this from a movie that I own, doesn't mean that the search should be limited to the things that I own. It, and maybe that's the difference here. Maybe the difference is that you could see what you had in your library in the past yeah, from these actors. And that hasn't changed, but I agree with you. It'd be nice to see the broader list, particularly since they're now really trying to be the curator. They want to be your home base for where you go to watch stuff. And they have all these ties now and deep links into all of the different apps so that you could do that. Hopefully, someday they will add that capability too. I do see a benefit in knowing which of those titles are in your library that you already own so that you know that, oh, I can just watch these or I have to go somewhere else and find these and I may have to pay for it. I don't know. So there's some benefit to that. And frankly, I don't think anybody has done a very good job of helping you understand what you already have versus what you might have to pay for. Yeah, exactly. That 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 would be really nice to separate that out because if it's something I already have, then that also means I don't have to watch ads with it. So, yeah, I, that that would be really nice. Hopefully, they're gonna build that in here soon. What they have built is nice. I I, I do like the interface for it. It it does it, it and it works well. It works really well. So if you're using Plex's free streaming stuff for other things, this is a great feature. If you pretty much only use it for your own content, it's still not there yet. <laughs> okay, well, you you talked about like the unification of, of all of our different types of media in one place, and m- maybe the most I, I don't know cautiously optimistic story that I've got this week is about a Verizon set top box. Uh, yeah, it's surprising to me too. So Verizon announced what they're calling a first of its kind new set-top box for that, that they're just now calling Fios TV. And it's 
on the surface, it's not that different from previous streaming devices that they've offered before. It's it's a small box that is a, a streaming box that you know has all of your normal over the top type apps for Disney Plus and Netflix and and all of those different things. But it also gives you your regular FiOS TV stuff. And FiOS TV is cable TV through Verizon, basically. And so that means all of your live TV, your DVR, your on-demand video, in addition to all of those streaming apps on one box with one remote that has Google Assistant built in, because I'm pretty sure this is all built on top of Google TV, and It's got the customizability that Google TV does. You can move things around on the home screen. You, uh, if you're interested in signing up for a streaming service that you don't already have, you can go right into the store and do that. Like this kind of sounds like the first real answer to Windows Media Center that we've gotten since Windows Media Center died. Hmm. Interesting. This sounds a lot like what TiVo tried to do with a TiVo stream. Exactly. Except TiVo only did uh, Sling TV to start. Right. And well, it wasn't great. Yeah, well, because it's <laughs> Sling. And this is, of course, only going to be Fios TV unless, for some reason, you opt for adding, if they allow it, YouTube TV or some other service to this. This is really really interesting and since i don't know that you clarified this but when you say that it's providing fios tv we're talking about a streaming tv service here we're not talking about plug your cable into it verizon stream tv device is going to use a 4k streaming service i believe from fios that's freaking cool it is really cool and we don't know that for sure but it sure seems like that's the thing here because yeah we haven't seen actual pictures of the back of this thing but it's it's a really small box it is far smaller than your average dvr cable box that you would get and it also requires fios 2 gig internet which is not available everywhere. I'm imagining that it's called two gig because it's two gigabyte service. And so that's super fast, which would allow you to have that, you know, high speed 4k streaming and potentially, you know, lots of other functionality there. I, yeah, I I think this sounds really, really good. Do you still live, but do you have to be in a Fios TV? Yes, because you would have to have the Fios internet service. Correct. And do you I do now live in one of those markets I, again. I live in the market and I have Fios internet service. Now I don't have two gig because frankly, I think that's ridiculous. What would I possibly <laughs> right. need that for? I can get multiple 4k streams on, I think I have something like, I don't know, 500 meg or something like that. Why would mm. I need more than that? But that's probably how they're doing this right they're they're going to allow you to have potentially multiples of these around your home they want to make sure that it is going to be reliable so you've got to have their most 
robust service that they offer. That also helps compensate for the fact that the TV plans that they're going to offer are probably going to be cheaper than what you would have been paying for cable from Fios. They're between $70 and $100. And I remember paying, I think, well over $100 just for the cable part of what I had at one point. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you are back in a Fios market because I would love it if you could try this out because it sounds amazing. So, Josh, you know I just bought an Apple TV, right? Didn't we just (laughs) talk about that last week? Haven't we talked about how many streaming boxes you have in your house? (laughs) What's one more? I can't imagine why my partner gets frustrated by the revolving door of remotes that we've had. Well, you could be the sole user of this for test purposes. True. Put it in my workshop. Yeah, put it in your office. I don't care. You've just got to try this out. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if it's going to cost you like $200 a month for the internet service just to be able to have it. Yeah, I don't know about that. That could be a problem. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. It's not officially available yet. It's only been announced so far, but this should be coming to more markets soon. And our, our last video story of the week, it's a short one. So Amazon Prime Video, they're really trying to make a push into the sports market for video. They already have live NFL football games on Thursday night, and now they're basically trying to do their own version of ESPN. They are launching uh, what they call Sports Talk. It's it's tw- well, so the the. The marketing behind this says 12 hours of daily original programming. Well, it's not 12 discrete hours of uh, programming because a few of these shows are repeated throughout the day, but it is over 12 hours. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, like, there's a show that runs from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m., and then it is repeated from 10 a.m. until noon, when then at noon, another show starts. Ugh. And, like, ESPN does the same thing. They re air the same version of sports center like four oh, yeah. times every morning or yeah, well i mean all the cable news networks do this too <laughs> right yeah so so that's okay um uh, what's what's cool about this is they they do have a few different types of shows here i don't recognize the names of any of these hosts but i don't watch that much sports like i i haven't had espn for well i do regularly get uh ESPN like through Sling TV or something like that. Like sometimes I'll do that for like college football playoff season and stuff like that. Um, but I I I don't I I don't watch ESPN. I don't normally care except for watching like college football games. So I don't really know any of the sports people uh, unless they're directly involved in hockey. And I'm pretty sure none of these people are from the hockey world. So it it does look like potentially interesting content and. The the thing that I find kind of most amazing about this is it doesn't actually require Amazon Prime Video because they're also putting it on Freevee, which is their free ad-supported streaming service that we probably have talked about once on this show yeah. when they renamed it to the ludicrous name of Freevee. It's fine. It rhymes with TV. Come on. <laughs> it's kind of dumb. but. 
I mean, so it'll be on Freevee. It's also on Amazon Prime Video. So if you do have Amazon Prime Video, it won't be hard to find. I'm sure they're going to market the crap out of it inside of the Prime Video app. So it shouldn't be hard to find. Check it out. Like if if you're if you're a cord cutter, you don't have ESPN, you have been on the fence about maybe paying for one of these expensive cable replacement services, maybe check this out. And this scratches that itch that has been bugging you since you dropped ESPN. I don't know. Yeah. Richard doesn't have anything to say because Richard doesn't care about sports. Yeah, it's sports ball. Richard also doesn't care about gaming. So I'm just going to keep talking about our next story. Uh, and it's the last one. Razer, known for their higher-end gaming peripherals and really, really nice gaming laptops, laptops that I spend far too much time regularly lusting after, despite the fact that I do not have $3,000 to just drop on a laptop right now. Anyway, they have announced a new high, very high-end gaming controller. It's for the, the PlayStation 5 but it also works on PC, and it is called the Wolverine V2. If you're familiar with some of these higher-end controllers, like the Xbox Elite controller, it's very similar to that. Remappable buttons, interchangeable thumbsticks. Um, extra, it actually has extra buttons, two extra buttons on the front of the controller, which is kind of unusual, and then four extra buttons on the back. All of these buttons and the triggers have a shorter throw, which means you can push them faster. The only downside of this controller, no haptics, no vibration. It's not going to rumble. It's not going to shake. And for some people that really bothers them, but those types of people are probably not the ones who actually want this controller. This controller is meant for serious competitive players. And I know that there's some of you out there that hear that and are rolling your eyes because you're thinking, Josh, serious competitive game players use a mouse and keyboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But if you're on PlayStation 5, that's probably not the case. So this this could be for you. Uh, It could also be for you if you've been looking for a PlayStation 5 controller that's actually comfortable. And by that, I mean it has offset thumbsticks because the PlayStation controllers don't, but this one actually does. So the thumbsticks look a whole lot more like an Xbox controller than they do a PlayStation controller, which is a huge win in my book. Even most PlayStation fans who are being honest and not just fanboys will tell you offset sticks way more comfortable than the craziness that Sony has been giving people since the original PlayStation. So well, yeah, and it, that's important enough that. The IGN article that we're going to link to in our notes has that in its title for the article. (laughs) Right. So it's not just me like being an Xbox fanboy here. Lots of gamers really hate the stick orientation on PlayStation controllers. It's just not comfortable. Okay. So if you're interested in this because you are a serious competitive gamer on your PlayStation, it apparently comes out on December 31st. I don't like that doesn't sound real. Like, why would it release on December 31st? That feels like a placeholder date to me that maybe it's coming sometime between now and December 31st. That's a normal marketing thing. (laughs) It's so weird. It's so weird. No one releases any hardware product on December 31st. So maybe they will. I don't know. So the date is kind of up in the air. The price is not. It's going to be $250. 
that is half the cost of a PlayStation 5. So you've got to really, really need that competitive edge out of your controller because, oh my gosh, that is eye-watering. Like the cost of these controllers is getting a little insane. But yeah, this might be the best possible controller for the PlayStation 5 or PC. So it's for PlayStation 5 or PC, but not for the Xbox. Is that right? It doesn't list Xbox compatibility. And my guess would be that it will not work at all with an Xbox because Xbox does have a proprietary uh, wireless protocol. And I really doubt that they built that into this since they did get, you know, official PlayStation uh, approval for this controller. Got it. And Razer does make an Xbox version of, I, th- I think it's still called the Wolverine. Maybe it's got a different name, but they do have a high-end version of an Xbox controller. I don't think it's quite this high-end. I don't think it has this many extra buttons and stuff, but they do have a, a couple of Xbox controllers. Got it. All right. Well, that is it for our news. So let's get into what's going on in our entertainment centers. You're going to be shocked by how little I'm going to talk about right now. I know this is the place where you get to, I don't know, go talk to your wife, grab another drink, whatever. (laughs) But it's going to be really short. We had a guest staying with us this week, so I was not watching as much television as usual. I'm caught up on The Amazing Race. I'm caught up on The White Lotus. Watched a couple more episodes of Welcome to Wrexham, which I watched with our friend who is here. And I watched a lot, a lot of election (laughs) follow-up news over the course of the past week. And then tonight, I hope to watch the first launch of the Artemis mission, which will eventually take people back to the moon. We'll see. I don't know how, I don't know where I feel on or where I am on uh, believing that it's going to take off tonight. We'll have to see. Yeah, because isn't this like the sixth scheduled launch time <laughs> for this? <laughs> it's not quite that bad. I think it's the third, actually. But, and, and you know, there was some concern about the hurricane. There were some parts that were damaged. They've been inspected. Everything's, everyone says everything is safe. I'm... I don't know. It's supposed to go off at like one something this morning. We'll see. We'll see if it's later, much later than that. I'm not going to be catching it tonight. Do they have like a a backup day and time in mind already? Oh, I'm sure they do. But they haven't announced one yet. You know, this is all based on the positioning of the moon and the earth from where it's going to launch in Florida. And so... You know, it, it all has to be, it's all math. It's all math. Right. <laughs> it always is. But because I, I, I'm not trying to be snarky about Artemis. I'm excited about this, this program too. But I do kind of hope it doesn't launch tonight. Only because I'm what? going to be sleeping and I want to watch it. Oh, <laughs> so you'll I'm, be able to see it tomorrow. I know, but I do kind of want to watch it live. I, I don't want to watch the recording. I want to see it live, but I also don't want to be up at one o'clock in the morning. Right. True. Fair enough. Well, you know, look at it this way. You won't have like that 
heart in your throat kind of thing going off when you see it launch because you'll know whether it was successful or not. <laughs> so, you know, less stress tomorrow if you end up watching it with everybody else. Well, I don't know if it if it ends uh, very poorly. Badly. We're all also going to be watching that tomorrow. So that's true. That's true. I'd rather not see that live, quite yes. frankly. But yeah, that's true. I've seen too many awful things live. So, yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to this. I think it's going to be cool. Of course, this is uncrewed. There will not be anyone on this. This is one of a couple of uncrewed missions that will go up and kind of uh set the set the science in motion to make this happen for citizens of Earth. Yeah. And the the fact that it's uncrewed is why I felt okay even talking at all about the possibility of this going poorly. I am far too superstitious to to even utter words like that when when human lives are <laughs> potentially at risk. Sure. And by the way, that's why we do it uncrewed. <laughs> right. Right. Like exactly. Like this is by design. To make sure that it works properly, to make sure that it's safe. And failure is always an option, and you need to be able to recover from that safely. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, for me, uh, a couple of different gaming things. So I was just looking for something random to play, and I decided to fire up uh, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. This was a, not a remake. What's the word that they use for these? I don't remember. Um, but it, it's the the new version of the original Mass Effect trilogy that EA launched, EA and Bioware launched. Gosh, now I think it was last year. And the Mass Effect games, the original Mass Effect especially, is, it, it yeah, I, I think I'd still consider uh one or two in my all-time favorite game list. So, wow. yeah, I, I've played through the, well, I've played through the original game two or three times now, uh, which is unusual for me to play through a game that's like 25 hours long multiple times. It's really good. So I was really curious what the the updated version looks like because the original Mass Effect came out in 2008, I think. And Games look a whole lot better now than they did in 2008. And the biggest compliment that I can give to to this game is it looks exactly how I remember it in my mind. Because in your mind, like, uh, of course it looked fantastic. It was amazing. But if you actually play the 2008 version right now, it doesn't look that great. This looks really good. Now, does it look like a brand new, like, Unreal Engine 5 game? No. But it looks pretty good. They've also done some some things to to make the game just play a little bit better than than that original game did. I didn't sink twenty hours into it this weekend. I basically played the first mission, just wanted to see how it was. Probably not going to go back to this again anytime soon. But it was really good, and it did uh, did make me think that yeah, when I do get around to playing through Mass Effect trilogy again, this is the version that I will play. Wow, that's yeah. really cool. It's yeah. funny, it reminds me earlier, I think it was last week on the dumpster fire that is now Twitter, somebody posted an image from Load Runner back in the day. Wow. And 
I remember playing Load Runner for days and days and days and days and days and days. Spent so much time in my basement <laughs> playing Load Runner on my Commodore 64 computer. And I, I'm convinced it didn't look that bad. <laughs> it was much better than that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it but it wasn't. So right. <laughs> yeah, I always love the the like social media posts that you'll see that'll be like, here's what an NBA game looked like in 1995, and here's what it looks like in 2022. And it is <laughs> ridiculous because right. now these there games were like look like seven color TV. blocks that made up a person. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or like, here's Laura Croft in Tomb Raider on the original PlayStation and on Xbox One. <laughs> wow, she looks like an actual person in this game. It's crazy. I also, a friend of mine said, uh, what about uh, Deathloop? Have you checked that out? That's on Game Pass. And I hadn't, so I fired that up. And I actually, because I didn't want to wait for the 30-some gigabyte download, decided I would try it out on the Xbox Cloud Streaming on my Xbox Series X, which is, which on that TV is still using Wi-Fi. I have not run an Ethernet cable to my TV yet, and it worked really well. It worked really well. Like, I didn't really notice that it was streaming. So that's better than the last time I had tried it on a console. And I, I think it, I think it's good. Now, I still installed the full game so that I wouldn't have to worry about any potential hiccups to play it in the future. But I was impressed by how well it actually worked and even how well it, it looked, despite the fact that it was streaming. Uh, I did play it a little bit more a second time. I'm liking the game. It's kind of a roguelike. It's called Death Loop because you are in a time loop as the main character. You're trying to end this this time loop, uh, but to do that, you're an assassin and you have to kill like, I think it's like six other assassins that are in this time loop with you. It, yeah, the story doesn't make any sense, but um, and every time you die, your character like forgets what happened before. Like but, a good time loop should work. Exactly. But the other characters don't forget so they're just like making fun of you the whole time and it's hilarious it is so funny yeah so i've only played like 45 minutes of it so far but i've i've thought it uh has been pretty fun so far and again it's on game pass so this is free if you have game pass nice i also went outside of my entertainment center and went to the movie theaters this week to see black panther wakanda forever and I know everybody loves to hear my take on Marvel movies. <laughs> Maybe I should have brought Jen up here for this. Actually, I don't need to because we felt pretty similarly about it. For a little bit of context, Black Panther is like top three in the Marvel movies for me. Loved the original Black Panther. This isn't even in the top half. Wow. This is not a good movie. Wow. It's not a good movie. Did well, regardless of <laughs> Josh's opinion here. Uh, and and Jen agrees with me. So it's not just me. Let me give you a little bit more context. I'm a dude who has been known to get misty at movies. I have straight up cried at super sad movies. You are supposed to do that in this movie. This movie, oh. you know, one of the the large topics of this movie is grief because 
this is not a spoiler. Black Panther is dead the in this King movie. King has died. Exactly. Right. And there were two moments during this this movie when I maybe got misty eyed at best, misty eyed, but probably not even that. Two. One of them was the opening credit sequence when they showed a bunch of pictures of Chadwick Boseman. That's his name, right? Like yep. it feels wrong. Yeah. Um, they showed a bunch of pictures of, of him and like, that's like, oh, yep, yep. The other one was in the end credits when they showed more pictures of him. Was it when he died in, in the movie, when his character died in the movie? Nope. Was it any of the other emotional scenes in this movie? Nope. Because they just weren't done well. It's just, it's not done well. And I won't get into any, any spoilers at all here, but the, the other thing that kind of bothers me about this movie is the two groups of people who are fighting against each other are both min- like they would be minorities if they were Americans, but they are like, it, it's obviously an African nation and I'm not going to say who the other group is, but it ain't white people. So it's two groups of people who have been treated like garbage by most of the rest of the world for mm-hmm. all of history and they're fighting each other and that just felt gross like yeah. uh, i don't know it it wasn't great and mm. the rest of the marvelness of it is fine but again just like there's there didn't really seem to be a whole lot new going on here it just there wasn't really anything that I came away from this movie going, yeah, that was, I, I really liked that aspect of it. Eh, not, not really any of that. The, the actors all did well like that. That's good. But as a movie, it's just not that great. Can it's I ask like, you a non-spoily spoiler question? Sure. Are there any Marvel, not in the credits, not including the credits, are there any Marvel cameos beyond the Wakanda characters? Well, there are new characters in this one, like okay. the, the group that they're fighting against, which I think might be in some of the trailers, but I don't know for sure because I didn't watch a lot of the, the pre-hype stuff for this movie. Okay. So I don't want to say anything. But, but this like is not something thing. where they're like bringing together beloved characters from the cinematic universe to kind of you know no. add to the appeal of the movie or anything right, like that. Right, right. Yeah, it's 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 not like uh, Captain Marvel flies in from outer space or anything like that. No, it, it's it's pretty much just a Black Panther movie. Right. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that's disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, very disappointing because I, I had very high hopes for this. I, I will say, if you remember, I don't know if you remember or not, but I felt like Black Panther, for all the hype that it got, the first movie, didn't live up to the hype. Now, I saw it late. I saw it on video and didn't feel like with all of the attention that it got, that it was as amazing of a movie as it was like promoted to be or reported to be. Now, that's coming from someone who has loved the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So there's a lot to live up to there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, for sure. Yeah. And while, yeah, like you're a lot closer to like Jen's taste in Marvel movies than than me. And 
Jen loves Black Panther, but I don't think she puts it above like um, Endgame and stuff like that, or or pretty much any of the actual mm-hmm. Avengers movies, because the Avengers movies are really good. Yep. But yeah. Yep. Huh. Wow. Hmm. All right. Yeah. So that's that's it for what's going on in my entertainment center, uh, Richard. Have have you been moonlighting on other podcasts? Well, like people who might be wondering where the heck Home On is might be <laughs> glad to know that I am still podcasting, actually. And recently, I was a guest on the Arrival podcast. Now, the Arrival podcast is a show by the VRMA. You know them, right? The VRMA, the virtual reality. I'm guessing that's not it. <laughs> it is the Vacation Rental Management Association. And as a vacation home owner, I was talking with them about using smart home tech in vacation homes. It was a great conversation. And I, I think it was a, a fun podcast. Might be interesting for anyone involved interested in either rental homes or smart home tech to check out. I will give you a warning. I don't quite know what was going on in the settings in their audio processing or in our recording, but I sound like I'm slurping when I'm breathing (laughs) and I'm just going to apologize in advance because I'm pretty sure that I don't normally sound like that. Well, just be honest and admit to the fact that you were recording this from your car on your way back from 7-Eleven <laughs> drinking a, a big gulp. A big gulp. gulp. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's cool. I, I, uh, I'll definitely check this out. Uh, a, a rival podcast. It also makes me think of a really good sci-fi movie with the same name. I mean, not the word podcast, but uh, Arrival was a really good movie. Yes, it was. All right, well, there's there's not a home on episode for you to listen to, but there is lots of uh, other good stuff over at the Digital Media Zone where you'll be able to find the show notes for this show with links to everything we talked about, including some of those speaker recommendations that we talked about at the beginning and links to all of the stories that we discussed tonight. If you want to follow us on the hellscape that is Twitter, Richard is at Richard Gunther. <laughs> I'm at Josh Pollard. The website is at DigiMediaZone. Richard, have 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 you signed up for Mastodon? Like, I oh yeah, you can cool find me over there. I'm Richard Gunther over on Mastodon. You might need to show me how to do that because I think I need to to do that also. I, it's I and I don't know how. Way too confusing. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, for the time being, we're still on Twitter because because oh, well, Twitter still, still exists, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Uh, we also, I, I know it's been a while now since we've done a live show. We'll, we'll get back to it soon. I promise. And, uh, but that is going to do it for this episode. This was episode 607. He's Richard Gunther and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye.